Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. A recent caller asked a question about how much cash to hold in a position, but I wanted to maybe have you guys expand a little bit further on how to marry the two fundamental concepts of buying the dip, but having it be impossible to time the market. And provides unbiased answers. Now, the way that we do it is we have price targets and valuation targets for uh, the companies that we own. Invest Talk, over 32 million downloads and counting. Hi guys, thanks for all you do. I love the podcast, I'm an avid listener. I was wondering what you thought of a ETF called QYLD. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, July 12th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And as we move through summer, it's important to stay focused on your portfolio and your strategy. Uh, even though we're kind of in the doldrums of summer, there's relatively light volume, and we're we're working through uh, a lot of what ifs in the market over the next uh, six to eight weeks, uh, and that's likely going to bring some some volatility. Uh, but until there's some resolution, you're unlikely to see a lot of that volatility. And uh, on today's program and podcast, I'm going to do my help, my best to help you navigate the markets, not just in the short and medium term, but the long term as well. So. As always, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, as always, which is independent thinking and shared success. And this is my assurance to you that when I'm talking about a stock, a strategy, a sector, whatever it is, I'll be presenting it all without bias and giving you the facts as I see them in front of me using my 20 plus years of investment experience. Now, I encourage you to interact with me live during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time. If you are listening after hours, though, no big deal. You can leave your message on our Anytime Voice Bank. Either way, the number never changes, 888 chart So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey, guys, this is Corey from Utah. I've been listening to you guys for a little bit now, and I had a, a couple of questions for you guys. I just barely, barely got back out of the country. I was gone for about two years. I didn't have any income. And I just barely started my business about a year ago, and I'm I'm looking to either build or buy a house. Maybe when the the market goes down a little bit, but I'm wondering what I can do when I file my taxes to be able to show that I make more, and being able to show that I can be approved for a house. My kind of game plan is to just don't do any tax write-offs, just so I can show I make all that money with without any write-offs. But if I could get your guys' opinion, I'd appreciate that. Thank you. This is a common dilemma for business owners. 
And one of the great things about owning your own business is that you can kind of run some, a lot of expenses that maybe could be argued as business expenses that are probably really your, uh, your day-to-day expenses, uh, as write-offs and, and, uh, have that money basically spend tax-free. Uh, and, and that's the great thing about, about owning a business. However, when you do have those consistent write-offs, uh, oftentimes your profits uh, on paper are a lot lower, and that's what lenders want to see. Lenders want to see profits. They don't want to see you only making thirty-two thousand dollars a year when you're trying to get a mortgage for, you know, three or four thousand dollars a month uh, in in mortgage payment. And so, how do you, over time, build up the record that you are earning enough money to actually pay for that mortgage. Uh, And typically banks want to see more than just one year. It's usually two, three years of consistent income. Uh, So that's your dilemma there. Uh, You should probably work with a CPA to make sure that your write-offs are are, are legal and correct. Uh, But you probably want to, to think about reporting a bit more so you can show that you can afford a home. Uh, but that's, uh, that all depends on how much house you're willing to pay or looking to pay for, uh, and what your potential profits could be. So you probably want to talk with a mortgage lender and figure out, okay, to get pre-approved for X dollar amount, how much do I need to show that I make, uh, somebody who, who's, who has experience with self-employed individuals, uh, which you know takes a little bit more work. It's a little bit different than approving somebody who's just a W-2 employee. Thanks for the call. Great question and glad you're back and, and getting to work and, and having a, a successful business. Now, my focus point today is concerns the story. A new study has concluded that there has been a 13% increase in average retirement savings year over year. So we're going to touch on this report which was done by Northwestern Mutual, and they look at the financial situation of 2,000-plus American adults as of March of this year. So it's a few months old, but is pretty pretty good snapshot of what the country looks like as a whole, how it's broken up, and maybe see how you compare and maybe some changes you can make to put you on a more sound financial footing. So we're going to cover that. Also, I want to go over the Binance story. This is definitely something we need to cover, especially with cryptocurrency, Bitcoin always in the news and and talked about a lot more and a lot of money is invested uh, in that space. So certainly you need to be aware of pros and cons and potential pitfalls within the industry. And this is one of them. So we're going to look at that. And then also, What are the shifts in long-term trends that will put upward pressure on prices? So we're going to look at that as well. And then lastly, if we have time, banks. Bank profits, what do they look like in the second quarter and through the balance of the year? And what's driving those results? So that's what's on my mind. That's ultimately what I want to discuss, but... Most important is what is on your mind. So I'm taking your calls live right now, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now let's check in on the market today. S&P up 15 points. 
about a third of a percent. You had the NYSE, NYA, that was up 40 points, about a quarter of a, a point. The Russell was uh, barely up 1.8 points, a very, very modest day, basically a flat day on the Russell. You had the NASDAQ, that was that was up 31 points, uh, about a quarter of a percent, a little less or so. So a flat to kind of up day, nothing, nothing too much. Like I said, it's kind of a boring time in the market. We're still waiting on, you have the debt ceiling coming up at the end of the month. You have a, a stimulus bill that's still working through Congress that, that may or may not be approved. Uh, will they get through? How are they going to negotiate that along with the debt ceiling? That'll be a, a big factor into what will drive economic growth for uh, the coming 6, 12 months or so. And then you have the Fed meeting uh, coming out at the end of, uh, end of August, the Jackson Hole, excuse me, the Jackson Hole meeting that's a little over a month away, and that will be a big shift in monetary policy, usually when they announce those types of shifts. So those are the big catalysts, uh, but I don't really see many catalysts between now and the end of the month, so I think it'll be a relatively boring month, unless there's some news and some whispers about how all those things are going to resolve themselves, but I see August as potentially more fireworks. Now we're heading into a short break. Jay from Dallas, hang on. We'll be next, our live, our first live call today. For everyone else, the Invest Talk phone lines are open and waiting for you. So call now at 888 chart As we move through summer, you'll want and need unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. You've come to the right place. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go talk with Jay in Dallas. He's looking at PayPal. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Uh, actually, both. Um, I guess the correct answer would be looking to add more or just hold. I also own Visa as well. Uh, earnings are next week. I don't play earnings. Um, but I do think I, I this is your last comment were a good segue into my call. I do think they might move the market a little bit one way or another if we see more than expected consumer spending. Just kind of your thoughts on uh, trim, buy more, hold. And then my other question to you is when you're in a position, do you look at unusual options activity to kind of guide you or is that just a big mess that will make you go crazy and it's not worth looking at. And thank you for taking the call. I love your show. Thanks. Thanks for making it. And uh, yes, I do look at unusual option uh, activity because you definitely want to see where uh, that's being positioned. But around earnings, there's there's a lot of people positioning for uh, that that catalyst and, and a potential for uh, uh, a report that's better or worse than expected. So that's not uncommon. It's more outside of the 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 earnings picture that uh i think gives more credence so there's that now you talk about paypal and visa both big payment processors obviously visa is more your legacy and paypal is more for the future and visa's market cap is a 463 billion and paypal is at 355 billion uh but if you look at their revenues, Visa, actually PayPal does a bit more. So I, if I'm picking one or the other, I'm picking PayPal. Uh, I think 
PayPal has more of the future of payments with Venmo and and their other platforms, and 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 I think it's going to be. And I think you you can buy crypto through PayPal. They're just more forward thinking. I think Visa is the old network that is at risk for companies like PayPal. Now, I think both are very overvalued. So I, I don't love either of them. Uh, but if I'm owning one or the other, I'm owning PayPal and I'm holding it. I'm not, uh, I'm definitely not buying more at these levels. Uh, our value is, is much lower. So, um, you know, both, I would actually both sell both, but if I'm picking one or the other, I'm definitely selling Visa and I'm holding PayPal if I'm forced to hold one. So that's my take on the space uh, because I think both are just extremely stretched from a valuation perspective. Let's go to Roger in Daily City looking at Unity Software. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Hi, Justin. Yes, I have owned it since the IPO day, so since day one. Uh, I've held on to it and just want to know what your thoughts are, if I should continue holding or how the outlook looks. Well, this is Unity Software, and it looks like you're up decently from the IPO day, but uh, definitely down from its all-time high of around $174 a share. Now we're at 106 and change at the close today. And Unity would be one of those cloud software names that is trading at pretty high multiples, $29 billion market cap. Enterprise value to revenue is 33 times, which is pretty queasy still, even though it's come down from 60 times. Doesn't make money. Uh, EBITDA is still negative. Cash from operations, still negative. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just don't think this is a name at these valuations that, that I love. Uh, and their their growth is slowing from 53% revenue growth in the third quarter of 2020, 39% in the fourth quarter of last year, and only 41% in the first quarter of this year. So I see that slowing a bit. And once again, still losing money at a $30 billion valuation on a run rate of maybe a billion dollars in sales is, is pretty stretched. So uh, I'm not a fan of Unity software either. And the chart after coming down this dramatically on a weekly basis, especially is looking fairly poor and I would be a seller of it. Thanks for the call. That was unity software. Symbol is you. 88.99 chart, 88.992.4278. Let's touch on our main focus point today, which is around retirement savings. And this was from Northwestern Mutual, who canvassed over 3,000 Americans in March. And the average personal savings have increased 10% over the last year. The retirement savings had an even bigger jump from 87,500 to 98,800. That's up 13%. Average personal savings went from 65.9 to 73.1. So clearly, people are are getting are, are recovering, and based on the survey, most respondents say that they're in the mid stage of financial recovery. So they're not all the way there where they were before the pandemic, but they're working their way towards it. And but it, but it's split. About a third of the people report they've been able to save more over the past year, but nearly an equal third say they're saving less or stop saving at all. And only one in 10 said they had to dig into savings and are going backwards. So that's good. Only one in 10, about 9%. So that's a positive. 
Now, among the third of Americans that from this study said they've been able to save more in the last year, most attribute it to reducing their discretionary spending and prioritizing saving over spending. So that's the main thing. Cut expenses and increase your savings. We're going to a break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. If you have a time-sensitive question for Steve or Justin, let them know by expressing your confidence in InvestTalk with a five-star rating review. Just include a brief question within your five-star comments. So download, listen, review, and rate InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Abdullah from New York. I'm calling to ask your opinion about a cybersecurity stock called Darktrace. It's listed on the London Exchange, I believe, but they also have a significant presence in America. I really like their product. I Obviously, we all know cybersecurity is a great field to be in. And Darktrace recently IPO'd um, less than a month ago, or maybe a little bit more than a month ago. Yeah, so I've been looking at the product. It's uh, honestly a very, very unique approach to security, and um, they are looking out for a lot of the things that are forefront in a lot of the cybersecurity headlines, like ransomware and stuff like that. And their way to find those threats is, is very unique, um, very different from all the other products that I've uh, I've reviewed. So, yeah, I wanted to know your opinion on Darktrace. I look forward to hearing the answer on the podcast. Thank you. All right. This is clearly a hot sector, and you're right. The uh, ransomware is a big threat to uh, cybersecurity worldwide. And any piece of software or service that can address those type of things certainly has a uh, strong demand. And this is a, a name that is sounds like is in the forefront. I haven't heard of it, uh, so I don't know a lot about their technology. But uh, according to a report here, they use AI in their development of uh, their cybersecurity. And... They've grown their revenue from $79 million in 2018. Trailing 12 months, we're at $235 million. And they've, they've gotten to uh, positive free cash flow, uh, almost to profitability. So I like that they're, they're trending that way. Uh, their, their, their metrics are certainly improving dramatically. Uh, the problem is, is that it is trading still at a very, very high multiple. You're talking about a $5.5 billion enterprise value on only $235 million in sales, so 25, 30 times, uh, times revenue, which is very, very expensive. However, if it can continue to grow at its consistent clip, which uh, right now it's at about 45% year over year, it can grow into that. Uh, but you have to be very, very confident in this technology. Remember, the, the technology space is fast moving. Uh, just because dark place, or dark trace, excuse me, is maybe the forefront of cybersecurity and AI, and I'm not saying it is, but according to you, it sounds like it is, doesn't mean that they're going to be three months from now or six months from now or nine months from now. These things can change, fa- change fast, and it's a competitive environment, and always uh, a lot of firms are, are at this, and there's a lot of public companies that are out at this. So you really have to be betting that Darktrace is going to remain the leader, if there is, in fact, they are, in fact, a leader uh, for a long period of time, that they have some secret sauce that's going to really propel them to the front of the cybersecurity field. 
Now, if you believe that and you have confidence in it, then, then this premium, massive premium that they're currently trading at uh, may be worthwhile. But if they're just kind of a, a middling player, uh, maybe their growth will, will trend back to industry growth, uh, then 25 times revenue is very, very expensive. So that's how you have to think about it, is not just about the valuation, but also how long-lasting can will their lead be? And will it remain? Will it sustain? Or will it fade over time? Thanks for the call. Let's go to Jordan. He is in Dana Point, which uh, I'm actually looking down towards Dana Point right now. I'm just uh, the city north in Laguna. He's looking at L-E-N. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Hi, yeah, I own it. Uh, I'm just wondering if now is a good time to get out. Um, I've made a little bit of profit on it, and um, I just think the housing market's kind of tapered off, so uh, I don't see them really building anything, so I'm wondering if now is the time to get out. Well, I will, I will say that I do think the housing market's going to cool off. However, analysts are still expecting them to earn $13 a share this year and almost $14 a share next year. And it's a $98 stock. That's pretty cheap. <laughs> I'll say that. If they can at least come uh, sustain that level of profitability over the medium term. It has come a long way. Uh, and I do think you're in a consolidation period to see where is the next move in, in housing overall. And just because housing might cool off doesn't mean that Lennar, this is Lennar, L-E-N, it has to have poor performance there. They might get more competition from existing homes as the rent and mortgage moratoriums are lifted, but they still could have a market where there's still a lot of demand. Uh, and we're in this period where there's a lot of millennials that are entering home buying age. And so in the short to medium term, the demographics of the U S is actually pretty strong for housing and especially new housing. Now you get longer term, uh, the demographic, you know, past 2025, the demographics don't get quite as strong, especially as you have a lot of these these baby boomers dying off and downsizing, etc. Um, now technically, it's okay. It's kind of neutral right now after consolidating here since March. Uh, so I wouldn't say I would take profits because the technicals are still okay. The fundamentals are fine. Um, but I would have an out. And my out would be the close below $87. It's below the uh, March 17th surge higher. If it closes below that for two days in a row, I would be out. That would be the way I would think about this particular position because that would tell me technically it's turned. And right now it's just in a consolidation phase. So I wouldn't be in a hurry to sell, but I would use that as an out. Thanks for the call, Jordan. We're heading to a break. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die 
stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. Let's go talk to Noel in Napa. He's looking at Jaguar Mining. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Uh, good afternoon, Justin. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about buying it. it. It came up on your watch last week, I think, uh, or so, and sounds kind of interesting. I was just wondering, uh, I would imagine in this environment that nice dividend it probably is is probably uh, safe. And uh, the only thing is it, it, it seems kind of uh, thin, maybe. The volume today was only 30,000 shares, and so it uh, be kind of hard to pick much of, of it up, I guess, probably. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, this is Jaguar Mining, and it is trading on the OTC market, so that is a bit of an issue with the uh, amount of volume that's out there. And it's trading at, and it's only trading at $4.18, so you're going to have to pick up a lot of shares in order to uh, really uh, get a strong position. Uh, and technically, it looks... Let's take a look at this. It is it is pretty weak though. It's definitely come down from nine dollars all the way to four. So, uh, but that's expected to be in the gold mining space, and that's what this is. It's a junior gold miner, and has a lot of assets in uh, Brazil mainly, and they produce about ninety five thousand ounces of gold annually, and it's positive. It's it's profitable. Uh, it just recently started paying a dividend, so that's that's good. It is definitely into some support. Let me give you a strong support level here. Yeah, about $3.90 is the the really strong support. Now it's at $4.18, so there still might be a bit more of downside. Uh, The dividend is going to be probably up and down, though, so I wouldn't get too too juiced up about the dividend, but the valuation is cheap. Operating earning yield is 23%. Enterprise value to EBITDA is only 2.8 times. EBITDA trailing 12 months is almost 100 million, and the market cap is 300 million. So it is very, very cheap. Uh, If you're looking to add a junior miner, this looks like one of the better ones out there. And like you said, you get that dividend. But this isn't one of those consistent dividend payers they can easily uh, move that dividend up or down depending on the performance of the mines which junior miners they typically are more up and down so thanks for the call good point or good uh good stock here with jaguar mining but it is otc over the counter and trades on low volume now let's touch on binance this is something i wanted to get to because there's so much talk about uh cryptocurrency and trading and so many so much FOMO out there of trying to get in and trying to, to make their millions. Well, their, the recent upset at Binance has 
really thrown a wrench into a lot of people's plans of, of, of striking it rich. And it just goes to show you how unregulated the whole cryptocurrency space is. And this happened on May 19th, where Binance froze up for about an hour just as Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies plunged in value. And it forced many traders who were who had positions on leverage to sell their positions, force sell their positions by Binance because they couldn't get in, they couldn't adjust their position. The whole system was frozen up. And there were margin calls. And many people who had hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in uh, in value had their accounts liquidated. And many times those positions turned to negative, meaning they owed money after. And the reason is, is because with platforms like Binance, investors can leverage 125 to 1 using futures contracts. Meaning with for every $100 invested, you only need 80 cents in collateral. So a modest move in the underlying price of the cryptocurrency, which as you know is inherently very volatile in itself, can wipe out people. This reminds me a lot of the bucket shops. If you ever read the history of 1929, a big reason why there was a giant crash was because in the bucket shops, you could leverage 100 to 1, very similar to this. Now, a Binance spokesman said extreme market volatility on that date created technical bottlenecks for it and other exchanges. And this just points to the unregulated nature of these cryptocurrency exchanges. Now, in an open letter, the Binance founder said the exchange was committed to being compliant with appropriate local rules. The problem is, is that they don't have a headquarters. They operate in, uh, they have, their website operates in 30 different languages. Uh, so they operate around the world. And there's not a lot of rules that can govern these type of assets. Now, there's obviously a frenzy in cryptocurrency earlier in the year, and a huge chunk of that business flowed through Binance and handled nearly $2.5 trillion in derivative trades in May. But this exposed the exchange's inability to handle massive trading volumes. And authorities in Japan, Cayman Islands, have said they don't have licenses to operate there. Several British banks have stopped customers from transferring money to Binance, and many traders are scarred, and it really hurts the industry as a whole. Now, regulators in most countries oversee exchanges that offer stocks and bonds and and, and derivatives and other securities. For example, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority made Robinhood pay back more than $12 million in restitutions to thousands of customers when it had issues with trading back in March of 2020. Sound familiar? So I always say, if you have your accounts, you should always have it with these big, a big, big brokerage firm, a TD, a Schwab, a Fidelity, an E-Trade, etc. Don't be messing with Robinhood. But I digress. Now, if you're trading cryptocurrency, there's you have to understand there's very little legal framework. And this is the biggest risk here of the space as a whole, is that 
governments are not going to ignore these problems like Binance. And they're going to exert their power and create more safeguards for consumers and investors and make sure that there isn't egregious betting and, and gambling uh, on these names. Uh, and so you're going to see this more and more. But overall, that's probably a good thing for the sector. Now let's keep things moving and go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on 888.99 chart. Hi, guys. Thanks for all you do. I love the podcast. I'm an avid listener. I was wondering what you thought of a ETF called QYLD. It seems a little bit too good to be true. It has about a 12%, but it has been consistently paying that dividend for a while. It seems to be in all the top tech stocks, but I was wondering what you guys thought of something like that. Thank you for taking my question. All right, this is QYLD. This is the NASDAQ or the Global X NASDAQ 100 cover call ETF. And we like cover call strategy. We execute that using our Equity Income Plus uh, program uh, that you can see over on our website. Uh, it's different than this. Where this is just buying the, the Qs and selling a cover call on top of that position. We use individual securities, all dividend paying stocks, spread around different industries, et cetera. Whereas this is going to be primarily focused on tech companies because it's the NASDAQ 100. Now, it does pay that dividend, but understand that you that isn't just free money, okay? And with Q, this, this is QYLD is a symbol. And Yes, it pays that dividend, which, you know, we get something like that. But uh, our goal is to have price appreciation on top of that type of premium that's coming into the portfolio. The problem with QYLD is if you go back to the end of the year, let's take a look at this. It was trading at, where did it close? Closed at 22.80. And yeah, you've gotten that basically 1% per month in, in income. But now it's at 22.53, so you're down one one and a half percent on the underlying position. And so, just because you're getting that dividend doesn't mean that you can't lose money over time on the the underlying holding. And that's really my big issue here: is that it's too mechanical. Uh, there's not uh, a top-down and bottom-up strategy like we would deploy. Uh, the cover call that you're just buying the, the cues uh, over the long term, you're probably going to get lots of volatility with this, but you're going to get more upside uh, with the cues. So to me, it has to be a more targeted strategy. So if you're going to invest in the cover call strategy, this is not, would not be the one that I would love. Thanks for the call. Now summer is well underway and it's been over a year since the pandemic and we're heading into the third quarter and we know we're going to see volatility in the back half of the year. We just, you just can smell it, right? You can see what's happening uh, in the economy, in the markets. And the question is, where does that buying opportunity come from? When you have a setback in the market, it brings you buying opportunities. And that means you need, need to be prepared, ready for those buying opportunities. And so if you need help understanding where maybe you should trim from your portfolio, where you should think about overweighting your portfolio, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California, where we operate with the same philosophy as we do here, which is independent thinking and shared success. 
and we practice parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings. You can send us a message through investtalk.com. Now, after speaking for just a few minutes, hopefully we can help you in some way. Now, next up, another unbiased answer to a listener question. The call came in earlier from Texas, and we'll play that in 40 seconds. If you enjoy listening to Invest Talk, you can help support our programming by giving us your vote of confidence, a five-star rating. When you review and rate Invest Talk with five stars, you raise our profile and help others discover the free Invest Talk podcasts. And we thank you by moving your questions to the top of the list queue. Just include a brief question with your five star comments. So download, review, rate, and don't forget to call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Hey, Stephen Justin, this is Adam from Texas. I was wondering if you could give me a quick evaluation on TPC, Tango Papa Charlie. I purchased a position in them before the infrastructure bill passed but it was in the recent past and it seems like it's only gone downhill from, from that point. And I was wondering if you thought that it it is still a good play or if I should cut my losses. Thanks. All right. This is Tudor Perini Corp. TPC is the symbol about a $682 million market cap company. And he's right, it's down about 33.8% from its 52-week high, now closed at $13.39 at the close today. Uh, And I actually think it's hitting some pretty decent support here. And I think this is a perfect example of the market building in certain levels of expectation for the stimulus bill, where they were talking three to four trillion in the beginning of the year, you know, around the time of the inauguration. And now it's been downsized to less than a trillion. And that's why the market that's market for this name has come down. And what they do is they provide, let's get a more detailed explanation here. They offer general contracting, construction management, design build services for private and public customers. So public is, uh, or, you know, the private is the, the main one here with uh, more spending, from the government on infrastructure, which they they uh, repair uh, and construct transportation infrastructure, water treatment facilities, uh, and all types of, of different buildings. So this is the perfect type of company to take advantage of an infrastructure bill. And I would say after this drop, this to me looks more like a buying opportunity. I still think it's relatively cheap. If you look at its operating earning yield of three, 38%, very high, a modest amount of debt, Enterprise value to EBIT is four. So I, I think it's a relatively cheap. So it's to earn $2.29 next year. That's talking about a six or seven times earnings. I mean, I, I like this. I like this name and it's into some major support. TPC is the symbol. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I'd be adding to your position here. Now we can fit in one more question here before the break. So let's try. Hi, this is John calling from Santa Cruz. I'd like to ask about a stock called CODI. Like most stocks, it's up quite a bit. I'm wondering if the dividend is safe and if fundamentals of this company look good to you. Thanks very much. All right, this is Compass Diversified Holdings. This is a conglomerate. 
and has branded a branded consumer business, uh, industrial brand. Let's look at this. Liberty Safe, Velocity Outdoors. Okay, so I've, I've seen this name before. Uh, I believe they have brands for safes and uh, ammunition, if I'm remembering correctly. So earnings were negative last year, but expect to make $2.31 this year, $2.47 next year. Uh, yeah, so they this is a big diversified conglomerate. Obviously, the demand for uh, physical goods, safes, furniture, uh, which is something that they produce, are, are in high demand. The technicals look strong. Look strong. The multiple, about 12 times earnings, uh, looks fine. I have no problem with this name. It, it, it's producing good cash flows, good earnings, good dividend. Uh, I, to me, this is a, a pretty solid buy. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And that work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888 chart Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, good afternoon. Okay, a recent caller asked a question about how much cash to hold in a position and also about pullbacks in the market. And I'm glad he did, but I wanted to maybe have you guys expand a little bit further on how to marry the two fundamental concepts of buying the dip but having it be impossible to time the market. What I'm specifically asking is how much cash do you set aside to buy the dip, uh, knowing that it's hard to time the market? And then are there maybe two or three rules of thumb or market indicators that lead you to cash out on some of the positions and wait for a buying opportunity? I'd really love to know. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Well, the first thing you're, well, I guess the, the latter part is talking about selling, which is n- notoriously the hardest thing to do. Buying's easy. Uh, it's knowing when to take some chips off the table or to cut your losses. That is the most difficult thing for the novice investor. Now, the way that we do it is we have price targets and valuation targets for uh, the companies that we own. And we update those on a regular basis as new information comes in, earnings uh, comes in, for example. And if we get uh, close to those levels, we'll start to think about reducing our position, maybe rebalancing back to our original allocation, uh, et cetera, raising some cash. Uh, And then also from a macro perspective, you're looking from a top down, uh, how do you want to position your portfolio uh, based on the economic backdrop? Is inflation uh, increasing? Is the growth increasing or decreasing? And based on that, what type of sectors do well or not so well. For example, if inflation's cooling and interest rates are falling, uh, your typical REITs and and, uh, healthcare and defensive uh, type of names, utilities, those tend to do better, so you want to overweight that. Uh, So if you see inflation cooling or or, or, uh, growth cooling, then you maybe want to reduce your exposure to uh, consumer discretionary and cyclical names and commodity names, etc. Uh, so it's 
marrying that macro backdrop with the overall allocation of your portfolio. And that gives you things to, to cut. Uh, and when you want to be overweight or underweight equities. Once again, if growth is increasing, then you want to be overweight equities. If growth is slowing or, or maybe going negative in the economy, then you want to be raising cash and be underweight equities, meaning overweight cash. So a lot of it is the macro backdrop and what you see for the the overall um, the overall economy, and so that's that's the beginning of it. Uh, and it can be complex, and there's a lot of data. It's a lot of time to to unpack uh, all the the data points coming in. But that's how you think about cash in your portfolio. And then if you get a solid pullback, you need to also have a list of opportunities, companies you would really like to own, but maybe the valuation's too high. Uh, maybe you're waiting for it to pull back into support. Uh, and then you can pick up those names, but you're going to need cash to do that. And sometimes you may not have cash. What if something hits... hits uh, a price that you really want to pick up that name and you maybe have to trim from other parts of your portfolio. So it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have cash on hand to take advantage of a market dip. No, sometimes you just trim, reduce or eliminate some current positions to free up some cash to take advantage of a better opportunity. So remember, every time you're invested in anything, there's an opportunity cost to be invested in other things that may be a better value, maybe more attractive. So I hope that helped. And are we, do we have enough time? Yeah, I think we do. Okay. So let's close with inflation. And uh, this may be something we'll pick up on, on a future show, but there are some shifts in the global economy that have for the last few decades really pushed down inflation or basically created disinflation, but some of those factors are changing. And I'm going to actually send this to my producer. I want this as a future uh, focus point for the show because it's very important to understand what dynamics have changed post-COVID and how that's going to impact the global economy, inflation, growth, and the sectors you are invested in. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. You can get them over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Be sure to rate and review. Give us a five-star rating. It helps, our, uh, helps us raise our profile. And if you leave a question in that five-star rating, we will prioritize it, put it near the top of the list. Now, you can browse by topic as well over at investtalk.com, cryptocurrency, interest rates, growth stocks, whatever it is. Find it over at investtalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success. This is InvestTalk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. 
For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.